want you to open your Bible to James chapter 1, Matthew chapter 7. Earlier this week, I was walking through here and having a good time. No pressing issues, no schedule problems, just one of those days where you're just free and I would have my mind all to myself. Walking through here and I was preaching. Man, it was good. And I thought, man, I like this. So how can you preach yourself happy? Well, I think the Lord inspires these things. I don't think I'm smart enough to put that many verses together and make a point. I think when God does things like that, uh, he blesses you. He blesses people and he blesses you. So I thought, well, I'm going to share about that because if it blessed me, it ought to bless others. So we'll see what happens tonight. Now, if I get to carrying on, it's all right, but I may not. I may remain my dignified self and and not do all of that. But in James chapter 1 and verse 5, let me read the verse and then I'll give you a title of the message. In verse 5, James 1, he says, if any man lack wisdom. Now, we could put a lot of other things there besides wisdom. But that's one of the great important things that we need. What do I do? How do I do this? Now, if any man lacks, go to the bookstore and buy some books. Your Bible doesn't say that. You know what it says? Very simple. This is primary, fundamental, level, grade A, beginning message. Do you have a need tonight, anybody? Is there anybody in this room that has any kind or any degree of a need? Well, everybody does. We all do. There's no denying it. This is what the Lord said to do. If any man lack wisdom, what's he say? Ask God. Well, everybody knows that. Apparently not. He said, ask God. And then he goes on to say, not only ask God, but he said that God gives liberally and doesn't upbraid you or get on your case about asking for so much. The title of our message tonight is Ask God. Everybody can spell that. That's as simple as it can be. Ask God. Recently, you know, all the things that have been going on here everywhere and all the numerous needs that people have. I mean, there's needs everywhere. People call up and talk about their needs. They write down their needs. They, They labor over their needs. Everybody has needs. And yet the simple solution to these things is ask God. I don't know how many people do. Maybe they tried it once and it sort of came up short and it didn't seem to work, so they don't go that way anymore. But the word of God never changes. It says, ask God. That's what it said. Now go to Matthew 7. Matthew 7 and verse 7 and 8. Now this was the instruction of Jesus our Lord, to whom we're all grateful and whom we're here to acknowledge tonight as being present with us in this place, who alone can inspire us. This is what he said, Matthew 7, in the Sermon on the Mount. Ask, does it say that? Is that the first word? Now, that's something everybody in this room does and can do. We don't always ask God. We often ask people. What should I do? Well, the Bible said, ask God about that. And here he says, ask, and it shall be given to you. Is that what your Bible says? Notice it doesn't say ask, and it might be. Ask, and it's possible that it could be. It just says, ask, and it shall be given. Doesn't matter what persuasion you're of, what kind of a title you have on your religious beliefs. It says the same thing to all of the people that read this. Ask, and it shall be given you. Seek, and you shall find. He didn't say you might. He said you shall. He said knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh is disappointed. No, everyone that asketh receiveth. And my, what disappointed people and and writers of 
religious columns have done to this. They do their level best to make it not mean that. Because it seems they're afraid you'll get your hopes up that, that, might, that you might think it'll work. And then when it doesn't work, you get disappointed and then you get down and you lose your peace and your joy with the Lord. And so rather than you have a, a dismal experience like that, we would rather just sort of water that down, maybe explain it away a little bit so uh, you don't get your hopes up. Because, you know, God may have a better idea about this than you. And so people are left with nothing more than, than a Bible which is not exactly workable. It may, it may not, could, but it might not. Can't be sure. There's no way to know. I don't know how they get saved. Because when it comes to salvation, there's nothing more sure to them than that. The one thing, the one promise in the Bible that is sure, that they encourage you to ask for this, is to be saved. And yet with regard to 7,900 other promises, well, I don't know. I don't know about that. Remember Psalm 103? He said, the Lord, uh, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all of that. And then he says, he forgives all your iniquities. That's pretty positive and thorough. All your iniquities. And then he says he heals. In the same verse, he heals all your diseases. And yet there's such a problem that people don't want you to get, church folks, don't want you to get all excited about that second one because after all, it might not work. Well, what about the first one? Maybe it won't work either. Maybe you're calling upon the Lord to be forgiven and you're sorry for your sins, but he might not want to. He might want you to languish and, and cry for two or three years before he does something. And you know that's foolish. No sensible person who's learned how to read would believe that. But they can't believe the second part. Crowns your life with loving kindness and good things. Now, who believes that? Or renews your youth like the eagles. Who believes that? You know, if you want your youth renewed, you've got to go to some clinic and buy some cream. And then you'll be young again. And God is left out of all of that. Oh, God wouldn't, wouldn't do that for you. Well, no, he wouldn't do that. But he, he can renew your youth like the eagles. Well, he had in mind. Have you asked him for it? When's the last time you asked God to do something that he's already said he would be willing to do? When's the last time you asked God for something that heaven has already recorded this word? It is forever settled in heaven. The Bible says there's nothing to be added to it and certainly nothing to be taken from it. It is what it is. It says what it says, and it will forever be like that. Have you asked him the simple prayer, Lord, do that for me? Do it for me. You're a businessman. Have you asked him for more customers? I mean, have you asked him for better skills? Have you asked him to give you an advantage in some way in your job that you, you sort of stand out and, and therefore uh, he's going to bless you in that way? You're not trying to be better than a better person than somebody else. You're just trying to say, may my skills benefit me in such a way because God's going to bless me that I have a better job, better business, and, and people bless me. Those of you that were here Whenever we started this church, how many years ago was that? Back in his last century. Remember there was a time we didn't have jobs? Remember what we prayed? Lord, let the heathens take the bad jobs and give the good jobs to us. We asked that in prayer. We made it a prayer point. Lord, may those that have the good jobs get some other job and let, those, let the good jobs come to us and let the bad people have the other jobs. We might not have prayed in those exact words, but that was sort of the gist of it. And guess what? God's response was, okay. And we started getting the better jobs. I haven't seen many of you go downhill in the last 20 years. I haven't seen this church go downhill in 20 years. I said, well, we're not going uphill. So we're not going downhill either. All I'm saying is all we have to do is ask. He said, everyone that asketh receiveth, he that seeketh findeth, and to him that knocketh it shall be opened. God's waiting tonight, right now. 
This message has, has been spoken. People are familiar with these verses. They've heard all of this. And yet when it comes down to your daily relationship with God, how many times do you ask God for things? Do you ask him for new tires for your car? Or if you're from here, new tars for your car. Tires and tars. How many times do you ask him for little things? Ask him to show you how to love your child, how to love your wife, how to love your husband. Lord, could you help me? And start asking. Doesn't the Bible say he doesn't upbraid us for asking? The Bible doesn't say that God looks over at the angels and said, how many times has he been here today? Is she coming in here again to keep asking me for something? God isn't disappointed because you seek him out to ask him instead of going here to going to that institution, this place, that place, and trying to asking all these other people to do that. He said, ask me. He giveth all men liberally and upbraideth not. All we have to do is ask. What does he say again? He said in James 1, he said, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who giveth. You can't deny that it says that. Let him ask of God who giveth. Maybe some, if you're not doing as well as you'd like to do, maybe it's because you haven't asked God to make it better for you, show you how to improve yourself. Maybe you haven't asked God to make you a better cook, a better reader, to better understand his word. Lord, help me understand this. I'm asking you, Lord, I don't want to buy one of them programs where I learn, I learn the language. I, I, I want to learn this. I ask you to show me, help me do this. My help doesn't come from the hills. My help doesn't come from the shrines and the things the world has erected for man to run to to get relief and get help. My help comes from the Lord. That's what the Bible says. The second part, anyway, my help cometh from, from the Lord. See, asking is nothing more than making a request. It's just asking. I, I'm petitioning you, Lord. I'm asking you, or if I'm prayer, I bring my prayer to you, and Lord, this is what I want, because how many times does the Bible tell us to ask? Ask him. Don't just know that he is able and mighty. Ask him to do what is easy. Make a world. How long did it take him to make a world? Poof, there's a world. How long did it take him to make a universe? It's not as complicated as your brain, and he made them both. Well, forget the brain part. God wants us to ask him. Follow me in a brief journey. Go to Gospel of John chapter 14 and chapter 16. Let me encourage all of you tonight to become the church of askers. Then all your critics will talk about how whatever you are. All they do is ask God. They just think if they ask God for something, he'll give it to them. Well, I hope you believe that. Now, what they do is they carry that first thing. They think you can ask God for just anything you want to, and God has to do it because you ask. You didn't hear me say that. But you did hear me say, ask God. Yes, there's more to the message than what I've said so far. We'll get to that if everybody will hold fast. John 14 and verse 13. And Jesus said, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, your Bible says, whatsoever you shall ask in my name, he said, that will I do. Will he or not? How do you know he will? How do you know he will? Because he said so. He's not a man that he should lie. He doesn't have to recant. If he said it, he'll do it. If he spoke it, he'll make it good. That's who you're talking to. Nobody else on this planet, before or after, can make those kind of promises. Only God can do this. And God only speaks this word to you. What about that? You ask and you shall receive because there's a lot of people in the Bible that ask and cry it out and God would not listen to them, would not hear them, would not respond to them. 
a number of places. But he says to you tonight, ask. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Verse 14, if you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Did he say anything? That's what he said. And I'm not going to water that down or take any of that back because that's what the Bible says. That's, that's in red. That's red letters. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. What if I ask, seriously ask, with faith, ask God to give us a nicer, bigger building? Is that legal? Does that qualify for anything? And I've been doing a little bit more of it lately. We mention it, but very few people do it. Now, see, there's a, there's a connection that's flawed here. We got something's not connected right. We know what it says, but we don't do it. We know what's promised, but we don't take advantage of it. And it simply begins with you asking. And then in chapter 16, in chapter 16 and verse 24, you got to like this. Hitherto you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you might receive that your joy may be full. Shall receive, didn't he? Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. That's what he said. Go back to chapter 15. Look at verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, what does it say? To you who, who qualify, and that is a qualifying verse. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, he said, this is what you can do. This is what I give you. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done. Didn't it say that? You don't have to turn to this in Matthew 21 and verse 22 says, all things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing, that's a qualifying verse, you shall receive. God doesn't water that down. He makes it what it is. He says it over and over in the Bible. Ask, you shall receive. Ask, ask, ask. Only God can make these kind of promises. I mean, you can't ask something that is, that is too difficult for him to do. He said in the book of Jeremiah, he said, nothing is too difficult or too hard for me. Nothing. In Genesis 18, with regard to the announcement that Sarah was going to have a child and, and Abraham was going to bear it. And the obvious mental problems with that, that would keep you from asking I mean, God said, ask and you shall receive. Well, the, and the promise he just made, my mental picture, uh, it, I, I cannot, cons I just can't imagine anything like that happening. You know what God said? He said, is anything too difficult for the Lord? Is there anything that's too hard for God to do? The final act of man on this earth is that he dies and God is able to raise him from the dead. Now that's over and above what everybody fears. God's bigger than what you fear. Nothing's too hard for God. He gives us this book and over and over and over it says this. Matthew 19 says, with men, there are things that are impossible, but with God, all things are possible. That's who we're here about tonight, God. We just want to hear what he has to say to us as his people, how we follow him, how we relate to him, how we receive from him. You have thousands of promises, Lord. How do we get them? Sure, I want, I want to be delivered from all these things in my past. How do I get delivered? Ask. The provision has already been made. The word has already been declared. It's already settled in heaven. What God has said is forever settled in heaven. He is one who opens up your heart and your eyes to see that. And then he begins to encourage you by the work of his spirit to believe that. Your father is glorified when you're willing to ask him and hold on to that and all the other things that are conditional. 
and he brings it to pass, everybody goes, praise the Lord. He gets glorified in it. But we're so easy to disappoint. We can get down so easy and so, well, I don't know about it. I don't know about that. Well, you know, it's been a long time, and I don't know about that. And we can get like that. I think the devil is a master at seducing people like that. Sometimes you got to come up. You say, no, sir, I'm not going to lay down like that and, and take God for granted in my life. The most important thing that's ever happened to me is Jesus Christ. And the greatest thing I can do is give him my time and my attention and my life and serve him. How do I serve him? As it is written in this book, this is the way you live. You begin to read about him and you think there's, if there's nothing too hard for him, then he is able to do exceeding abundantly. You preachers, that's Ephesians 3.20. Take your pencil. None of you got one, but y'all draw a pencil around that or make a little mark in Ephesians 3.20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above what? All that we ask or think. I could get my preachers going. Let me ask you a question. Is that true? Does it really work? Is God truly able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think? And remember those times you thought, what if I won the lottery? Oh, man, that's nothing. That doesn't even qualify for what he's able to do. That's, so, that's microscopically small, hidden under, the, hidden under a rock somewhere. You can't even hardly see it. What God is able to do is beyond what you can think. But yet I don't need all of that kind of, whoo, just right now all I need, Lord, help me get a good night's sleep. I, you know, I don't sleep good anymore. Why don't you ask God to give you sleep? Because the Bible said he gives his beloved sleep. Why don't you ask him for sleep? Before you put your hard drive on that pillow tonight, why don't you say, Lord, in Jesus' name, I ask for a good night's sleep, peaceful sleep. And when you wake up in the morning, just say thank you for a good night's sleep. You say, well, what if it wasn't a good night's sleep? Act your faith. Say, thank you, Lord, for a good night's sleep. Amen. Resist the devil, and what do you say he'll do? He'll flee from you. He's able to do exceeding abundantly. How about walking through, through life as a Christian? You ever struggle? Now unto him who is able. Jude says, now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before the throne of his grace, faultless. Me? Yeah. Why don't you ask him to do that for you? Lord, make me holy. Make me see things the way you see things. Lord, I'm asking you to show me how to walk exactly the way I should walk. And every day, make me sensitive to, to what you want me to do, see or say. I ask you to make me like that. Do you pray that? Can you pray that? Amen. We all can. Whether or not we, we do, I don't know. Well, now the opposition comes up. You know, there are, there are people who oppose all of this. There are far more people who oppose what I've just said than who believe what I've just said. Far more. You know, one opposition would say something like this. Well, look, it is true that God could. I mean, there's nothing too hard for God. You just said that. And yes, God is able to do exceeding, but yes, all of that. But you got to realize, this is what they often say. You got to realize that when God said he'll do this or that, he'll just supply your needs. See, you all have added all these, all these toys to that, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory. And that's, that's about the limit of what, I don't get out of bounds here. You can't believe just a whole bunch of whatever. You see, you're, you're limited a whole lot about what you believe. Now, that's taught. That is taught. So we, we come back with that and say, well, if just my needs is all he's talking about, then what did he mean by exceeding abundantly above? What does that mean? If he just wants to 
give me enough to barely get by me, you know, a little, little cornbread and creek water and a few wild onions is to get me through this life. And what does it mean about exceeding abundantly above all that I ask or think? Well, what does he mean when he says, to whomsoever hath shall more be given and he shall have abundance? What does that mean? Or what does it mean when Jesus said, I'm coming that you might have life and have it more abundantly? Why is it that in religious circles that from the pulpits of America, they try to make this not be true? You can talk about healing one message and they'll spend, they'll do a series on why you can't be sure of that. Healing and prosperity, those things are just no-nos today. They're afraid you're going to get the wrong idea. They have the fear that you're going to actually believe that, that God might actually give you an abundance. And they will tell you, well, now, you know, he could. Now, he's able, he's done it, but now you, there's no way you can just know that he's going to do that. Or another opposition statement is that, well, we know that God can do all of this. That's true. We don't argue with that. We can't argue with what the statement's in the Bible. But what we will say is that when it comes to you asking God, why don't you leave the results with God because he knows what's best for you. Just let him give what he knows is best for you because what you might be asking for may not be what he wants you to give. Well, then why did he promise all those things he promised in the Bible, if he might change his mind or doesn't want me to have it. He did not say he is, he is able but may not. It doesn't say that he could supply all of your needs in glory. It said he will. Why are you taking away from his wonderful promises? Why are, you, why are you cutting up the Bible in such shreds that you're taking away our faith from this thing? It was Jesus himself in, in Matthew 7. He said, if you ask for bread, you don't get a rock. God doesn't say, well, you know, I know you want bread, but now in, in, in your case and in your life, you'd probably be better off with a rock. He doesn't say that. Or maybe he said, if you ask for an egg, Jesus said, would, would, would your father give you a serpent? You didn't ask for a serpent, you asked for an egg. Is he not able to give you an egg? Of course he is. But these Jesse James says, you know, Jesse's in the pulpit. And he says, well, yeah, but don't get your hopes up. The one thing I want everybody to do is get their hopes up. He said, well, you're brainwashing these people. I pray that I can. I'd love to wash them all of all that dirt and disaster of the old life and all the wrong things we were all taught. I never heard my parents. I never heard your parents. I didn't know them, but I never heard anybody believe God in the old days. That's just something that came along to me in the 60s. All of a sudden, God began to get a lot of our attention and begin to bring out of the Scripture things that had been lying dormant for years. And we wondered about this. I remember. How can that be? Will God really do that? Well, you know, it's... And the preachers would say, well, now, don't get your hopes up. Don't get all excited. God knows what's better for you. You may want to ask for something, but God may not want you to have that. And so he simply says no. The answer to your prayer is no. Well, then what did he mean? Again, in James chapter 1, he says, ask God who giveth liberally. Either he giveth liberally or he giveth not liberally. He doesn't put me in a box because I'm asking. He says, ask. He's encouraging me, as I've already read tonight. Many verses of Scripture said, ask and you shall receive. The, the chapter in Matthew 6 about taking no, no thought for what you wear and what you eat, even for your life. He said, for your heavenly Father knoweth that you need some of these things. You know, the Bible said all these things. For your heavenly Father knoweth, Matthew 6, that your Father, your heavenly Father knoweth that you need all these things. Well, then how do I get them? In this case, he said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And what? All 
Where's that liberal preacher I was talking about a while ago? He's trying to rob me of my faith. I want to tell you something. He said, all these things shall be added unto you. Preacher, are you seeking the kingdom? Or are you seeking your own little enterprise? Or are you seeking God's kingdom? Because God's, God's kingdom takes the wrap off of his promises. And he says that you ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. And nothing is too difficult. He is able to do. And if you ask, you shall receive, that your joy may be full. May the church come together joyfully. Woo-wee. But it doesn't. But it does not. Now, I don't know what the Lord's plans are and what he wants to say in, in, the, in the days ahead and what he wants to do. But I know this, that there was a time when the release of this word to our hearts from the Lord made us glad. Amen. We would sing the song, he has made me glad, he has made me glad, he has filled my heart with praise. How do you do that? With his word. You didn't hear his actual voice. You didn't actually see him, but somebody told you what he said, and you believed it. Christianity became our life. I didn't care about talking. Now, I was a basketball coach at the time. I didn't care about anything more about sports than those. I still remember that. I did my job, and when school was over, I was glad. When the season was over, I was glad it was over because then I didn't have to think about it anymore. I could spend all my time going to churches and revivals and talking to preachers and, and sitting around talking to my friends about the Lord. That was my life. That's all I wanted to do. They thought I was a fanatic, and I was. I don't know if we had an attic or not in our house. But uh, we did that. What are these conditions you talked about earlier? Because you know we have to add the conditions. To tell somebody you can ask anything you want to and God's obligated to do it, that's not what I taught. There are people who, who are accused of teaching that. I can't imagine. Like that lady years ago came in a prayer line. Now I went down to up in Indianapolis years ago, back in the 70s. That was last century. And I said, what are you here for, man? What can I do for you? And she said, I want you to agree with me in prayer that Oral Roberts will open up a university here in Indianapolis. And I said, well, that's easy to pray. Father, open up a university. I ask you to open up a university here in Indianapolis in Jesus' name. How many of you know you can pray that? Is there anybody in this room that could not pray that prayer? Of course. Well, what, what keeps me from believing that? Because I don't know that's what God wants to do. I can't pray anything and, and, and expect God to do it. The first thing I've got to know clearly is his will. I got to know his will. You, again, you can pray anything that you want to. That doesn't mean you're fully assured like Abraham was in chapter 4 of Romans. It doesn't mean you're fully persuaded that what you just asked for is a done deal and you're just awaiting the day that it manifests because you know it's going to happen. If you can't know it's going to happen, then it's not faith yet. When it's faith, amen, it shall be even as it was told me, Amen. When it's not faith, you keep asking for it because you're never sure you got it. You're hoping it works, but you're not convinced. You're not persuaded. And that's the difference. But God will not give you firm persuasion or inward convicting convictions about something that is not his will. You've got to have the will of God clear before you. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5 and verse 14 and 15. Again, this is one of those fundamental verses in, in, in the scripture about our faith and how it works. 1 John chapter 5, 14. And this is the confidence that we have in him. Now see, I need to take five minutes and get off on this, but let me just 
make a quick mention of this. This is where it starts. This is the confidence that we have in him. If you don't have a relationship with the Lord, if you're not walking very close to God, confidence doesn't factor in your life. Confidence means you're sure, absolutely convinced. I'm sure of this. When it's faith, it's confidence. You know it's going to work. When you're not sure, you're not confident. But this is what it said. And this is the confidence that we have in him. What is it? That if we ask anything according to his will, does your Bible say that? Stay with me now. If we ask, and here we go back to asking, if we ask for anything, here's a condition, according to his will, he hears us. And if we know, the next verse says, and if we know that he heareth us, whatever we ask, then what else can we know? Then we know that we have the petitions that we ask for. Time out, all of you. How do you know you have something? You can't see it yet. You can't feel it yet. You can't hear it yet. You can't taste it yet or smell it yet. How do you know you've got something if there's no way to relate to what you know? Only thing you've got is something on the inside that says, I believe God. I believe God. But how can you believe God? There's no, there's no evidence to support your belief. Well, the evidence is in my heart. Faith is the uh, substance of things hoped for. It's the uh, evidence of things not seen. I don't see it. He didn't say I would see it after I prayed. He said, when you pray, believe. He didn't say you'd feel better after you prayed. He said, when you pray, believe. He didn't say your husband will straighten up and fly right after you prayed. He said, just believe or vice versa. Just believe. Listen to it. And if we know that he hear us, whatever we ask, then we know we've got it. Not because we see it, but because we believe it. Remember in the book of Hebrews talks about Moses endured as seeing what? Him who is invisible. 1130 something. How can you see somebody that's not visible? With your heart, the eyes of your heart. You see his promise. The promise he made was to you. Others can't see the way you see it. It doesn't matter. What do you see? He said, and if we know that he hears us, then we know we've got it. I don't have to keep asking for it. If, if I've got it, do I need to keep asking for it? No. Why would I keep asking for something I've got? Don't you all shout me down. It's hard to think if you all get to carry on at once. Why would I keep asking God for something that I should have the assurance and the confidence that I have? This is the confidence that we have in him. If I ask anything according to his will, that's where the struggle is right there about what is his will. But let's say I have it intact here. I see it in focus. I see that. And he said, if I ask anything according to his will, and there it is, there it is then I'll get it. Because now all it is is asking, Father, I ask in the name of Jesus that you would do for me what you have recorded here in your word. I just ask him. And what does he say to do? If we know that he hears us, he said, and if we know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, then we know that we have what we ask for. Who do you know lives like that? Who do you know you could run around with if you acted like that? Remember Mark eleven twenty four. Don't turn to it. You know this from the heart. What things soever you desire. <laughs> we all have that. All right. When you pray, believe that you have received them 
and you'll get them. How do you know you have received something if you can't see it? How do you know you got it? With the heart. With the heart, didn't Romans 10 tell us that with the heart man believes unto a right standing with God? That the only way he can be right with God and please God is by faith? Faith makes things right? You believe what he said and you're expecting what he said to come to pass? You're living in expectation of something you can't see coming to pass. And people think you are certified off. They think it's cultish to talk like that because they don't know anybody that's ever been taught like that. They've never been taught. Let me read again. And this is the confidence that we have in him. If we ask anything that is according to his will, he hears us. Now, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, then we know that we have what we ask for. I've got it. It is mine. I thank the Lord for it. I have it. And your aggravators, if you keep running around with them, well, how can you keep saying you've got something you don't have? You say you're healed and yet you limp. You say you're healed and yet you can't only talk. You say that, but look at you. That is obviously not true because they don't walk by faith. They walk by sight. They can only believe it if they see it. But you can't please God like that. You've got to believe what he said as though it's real and living and vital in your heart. And that's how you please God. Walking in the reality of what is not yet seen, but what is certain because God said it. That's how you please the Lord. This is what makes you strange. Unless you become decent and crowd pleaser of some sort. I don't think you have. But back to God's will, the bigger issue. That's the big question. How can I know God's will? Well, what did he say? If you want to know what his will is, don't you read what he said? Is it God's will to save? Huh? Is it God's will to save? How do you know it is? Based on what? what where does it say that God wants to save anybody? Where does it say that? Well, you've got you to acquaint yourself with the Lord until you know what that says. You don't have to keep waiting for somebody to tell you. Find out. Hide that word in your heart. Did you ask God to save you? How about this side over here? Have y'all asked God to save you? Did he? How do you know? Based on what? I'll tell you this. You don't always look saved. If you're married, you don't always sound saved. If you've been married for a while, you don't always act saved. So what makes you say you're saved? It's what you believe. I believe God. I took him at his word. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered or saved. How do I know God's will for salvation? Because I found in the Bible, he forgiveth all my what? What about healing? Is healing God's will? How can you know? Look at the people that aren't healed. Look at how many people did not get healed who have already gone on. How can you say then that he heals? It didn't work for them. Some of the great preachers and teachers and theologians died sick. What makes you think you can believe for healing when it didn't work for them. If you haven't had to deal with that when you haven't been around long. Here was a great theologian. I won't mention his name because he was one of the masters. And he had a physical problem and never went away. Had it his whole life. Those are negative things. And there was one that probably taught me everything that I profess to know. And God has refined it. And he died. He didn't die healed. So what makes me think that it'll work for me even though it didn't work for all these that have gone on before me? Am I so arrogant to think that I am greater than they? Am I so proud or puffed up to think that I am superior to them? 
Am I patting myself on the back because I'm still alive and hadn't had my test yet or all of that, and therefore you, you think you're a hero? Is that what it is? What makes you think it'll work for you? I mean, how many great believers have you known or people whose faith you respected that it didn't work for? This is what people who argue with me through the years have brought back to me. What makes you think that it's going to work for you? Look who it didn't work for. I could say to them, am I to measure God by people? Am I to say that God can be accounted worthy of my trust because he did this or this? Am I to say God is to be doubted and to be approached with caution because they ask and didn't receive over here, it didn't work here, it didn't work here, and it didn't work here? Do I measure God by them? Am I assuming that they are altogether right and maybe God's not? Was it Paul that said, let God be true? And every man a liar? I don't know what happened to all the great ones. I don't know where their faith was. I don't know what the closing moments, days, or weeks of their life was about. I don't know what God knows, how they were in private, what they said, how they prayed, what they cried. I don't know anything about them. But I will not measure the Almighty God by what happens to other people. I know in whom... I have believed. They taught me. But I will not try to be like them. I, I am who I am. And I want to walk with him in the light that he's given me. How many of you know that when it comes to light, like Matthew 25, remember the 10 virgins? Give us some of your oil. Why didn't they say, well, here, just stay close to me and we'll use my oil? You got to get your own. You got to have your own. You can't use somebody else's. It's not sharing. It's personal. You got to have your own oil. All right? You got to have your own light. You can't walk in my light. You can't imitate me and think that's going to work. You got to have your own light. You got to walk in the light that God gives you. This is the way walk ye in it. Why a lot of things didn't work for a lot of people, why the money never came in or the divorce went through or the child left home or the death finally came. Why all of those things happened, that's something that God knows. And some of those mysterious things belong to God. It's none of my business. But as for me, what is my business is to give the more earnest heed to the things that he has said to me and make sure I don't let these things slip. I don't dread walking by faith because it didn't work for somebody else. God didn't give any of us a spirit of fear. This life is a life of joy. Asking you shall receive that your joy may be full. <clears throat> is it God's will to heal me? I can give you many verses of scripture that says clearly. One of them was his covenant name. He was God, our doctor. He said, I'm your doctor. The Egyptians had physicians. The Greeks had physicians. Medicine started like that. And all of that stuff that they did, that's, that's another heady stuff. But he said, that's not what I want you to do. He said, I'll be your doctor. Didn't he say that? I'll take away all sickness from the midst of you. That's Deuteronomy 7.15. Can you believe that? Not many do. But he said, I'll take away sickness from the midst of you. He even said, no evil shall befall you. No plague can come near your dwelling. A plague was something terminal that, that there was no, no remedy for. I mean, it was a consuming thing. He said, it shall not come near your dwelling. Huh. He said, the prayer of faith. Somebody help me. The prayer of faith heals the sick. And before you look around and say, well, who, it didn't work for him or him. What about you? What about you? And God's standing there and God says, what do you believe about what I've said? Because over and over in the Bible, it tells us that, that God watches over, in some way or another, that God watches over his word. And that's what he goes by. 
He even said, if they speak not according to this word, they have no light. And if they have no light, they're walking in darkness. Would you agree to that? Jesus said, if the light that is in you is darkness, it's man-made, fabricated concoctions of man and, and how you think it ought to be, and that's the way you see things, and that's the direction you're going. If that light God calls darkness, it is a death darkness. You go back and you find this book. You search these scriptures. You say, oh, Lord. Hold that before me as a light that will show me the way. Turn to your assurance policy for just a moment. Let me look at a couple of clauses in your policy in Psalm 91. The old rugged cross plan. The ORC plan. You don't even have to buy this one, folks. This one is free. I doubt if the boys in the big house in Washington would agree with it, but it is free. Psalms 91. Is it God's will to take care of you? Is it God's will to protect you? How can you know that? How do you know? Because he said so in his word. And here's some things he said in his word. And I know you already know this. And I'm not saying it's because you already know it. But just to encourage you in it. Psalm 91, he said, verse 11. After he said in verse 10, there shall no evil befall you, neither shall any plague come near your dwelling. What's the next verse say? For he shall give his angels charge over thee, and they shall keep thee in all thy ways. The word charge means to give an order or a command to. Think of it. The almighty God sent this spirit-inspired word Socked right in the Psalms, cozy, yet vibrant and full of power. And of all the many things he says there, the one thing he specifically says about your well-being, he said concerning you, not the world, you. Concerning you, he will give charge to his angels that they will keep an eye on you and guard you and take care of you. Let me read it. For he shall give his angels charge over thee to keep you in all your ways. They shall bear you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. Is this real? This is just poetry, isn't it? Isn't just some way we inspire ourselves to believe something that may not be true? Come on. Or is it life? Is this life? Is this a quickening word or is it a dead letter? It's a living word. It's what God said. He said, I'm giving charge of my angels. You've got one somewhere. This room's probably full of them. In Hebrews 1, it says, wherever we are, they are. They're ministering spirits. I'm not into angelology because some people have gone wacko over that. But I believe what he said. He said, God gives charge to his angels. I don't know what their names are. But Michael and Gabriel and all their other names, whatever they're called. What if you got me more and said, I want you all to go to Hamilton's house, keep eye on him today and, and protect him and uh, hold him up. Don't let him dash his foot against a stone. No accidents, no wrecks, no unfortunate. Oh, poor child. None of that today. I want you to keep charge over him. All right, go. And here they come. And there's little Tommy. They pick him up. Car goes, <laughs> be careful, Tommy. <laughs> Do you suppose it's ever happened? It did for me the other day. It did for Johnny the other night. This is what God does. Why don't you ask him to make that real to you? Ask him. Lord, make me to know just as much as if I could actually see him standing there that this is going to take place for me today. You know, if he's going to give his angels charge over me and the last section of my policy down there said, with long life, he'll satisfy me. I don't need this Obama stuff. 
don't need all of that. I, I know the law says what the law says. I'm just saying that's not what I need. That stuff can't protect me. What I've got protects me. Because this is a living thing. It's not a dead letter out of some print shop. This is a living word that came from God. This is what he said he would do. Listen to what the Amplified Bible, I wrote this down today about verse 11. Where he shall give his angels a special charge over you to accompany and defend and preserve you in all your ways. My, my, my. No wonder some of us have survived. We thought we were pretty spiritual. And all along, if we hadn't had those angels assigned to us, we wouldn't have made it. And we're here. And we're still here. And they still minister to us. And we don't even know it. They still bring us things. They bring something that affects goodness for all of us. Maybe they do a lot of things we don't know. We're so glad. All these years and all the different times and struggles in our life, we're still here. We're still intact. We can still smile. We're still learning. And his angels have never left us. Wow. They keep us and they protect us. They keep us from falling away. But he said he would give his angels charge over us. How about, is it God's will for you to prosper? You know, prosperity is a, they say it's a false doctrine. Is prosperity a false doctrine? Well, I'm sure it's been abused. I'm not saying that. I know that. I mean, I've been around some of those people. I mean, some of them are in the ministry for money. Money drives a lot of people. Money has kept people from being in a church. Money has kept people from being where the word of God would have secured them, kept them, and kept them on the right track. But they couldn't give it up because they had money where they were and they couldn't leave their money. That's right. Money does terrible things to people. You like to talk about how devoted you are to God, but when it comes right down to the choice of more people are devoted to their income and their business and their well-being than they are to starting over with trust in God. I know that. I know that for sure. They wouldn't agree with that, but it's, it's still true. Like I said, money does a lot of things to people. You read in Malachi 2 what the money did. It, it brought a curse on a lot of people, a curse. A curse is when God's not on your side. A curse is when God isn't pouring out his grace, but he's withholding it, and what comes, comes. And nothing will ever change. And you can, none of your prayers will change it. Nothing you do will change it until you go back and get things right with God. And if it's money you got to get right, that's almost too much. Most people can't go that far. They just can't. Just like the rich young, remember him? The rich young ruler, when he heard that about give away what you got and give it to the poor, Bible says he turned away sorrowful. And what did Jesus say? How hardly shall they that have riches Enter into the kingdom, we could say, how heartily are they who riches have enter into the kingdom. And I thank God through the years have been teaching us how to be liberal and be giving and sharing and never be controlled by money. We use it, 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 it does good, and we benefit with it and buy it, and yes, 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 yes. But it's never to be your master. It should never own you. And you have a chance to do something good for other people that involves money, take advantage of it. It could bring a healing into your life. That's Psalm 41. It could bring healing into your life. Amen. Another thing about God's will is not only healing and prosperity. Would you rather be poor or well-to-do? I'm talking about poverty means you have nothing. Poverty is going shopping for $20 worth of groceries with $10. Sufficiency is $10 in your pocket to buy $10 worth of groceries. And abundance is $40 in your pocket to buy $20 worth of groceries. Pick one. It shouldn't be hard to pick. I think it's the Lord who, uh, who encourages abundance anyway. Remember the talents? Take the one talent that he has and give it. There's two other guys. One had five, one had ten. Take it from the guy that had one and give it to whom? The guy that had ten. 
They said, Lord, he's already got 10. Jesus said, they that have shall be given even more and they shall have abundance. Amen. And you read about Jehoshaphat, you read about David, you read about Solomon, you read about many of the kings or the little man Zacchaeus up in a tree. Or you read about a lot of men in the Bible that were rich. They weren't condemned for being rich. The ones that were condemned were held by their riches. But poverty is a terrible taskmaster. It makes you greedy. Makes you envious of other people. And yet, if you would ask God, Father, in Jesus' name, I ask you to deliver me from a spirit of poverty and give me the grace to go shopping with my eyes closed and not buy a single bargain once. Let me pay full price once. Full price. Yeah. That's going to cost 50 bucks. You can go down here to the hardware store and get it for... Go ahead and try it one time. Just try it. Act like you got enough and say, Lord, give me a $50 one. I've done that. All right, well, maybe I shouldn't have said that. I, just... I want to be delivered from. I grew up with that. My mother had this spirit of poverty. I'll never forget the time I bought a catcher's mitt because my brother made me think I was Yogi Berra. And he told me that because he wanted somebody to throw to. So, so boy, you're really good. You're the best catcher I ever saw. I am. Let me get another mitt. I went out and bought a catcher's mitt, paid, I think, Five or ten, maybe $15. That was a lot of money in the 50s. And my mom said, oh, she found one. It was, oh, it was like $2 something. Well, so I took that one back. And she went and got that little old plastic thing. I still remember how I threw it down and cried. I probably got a whipping over that, but I, I, don't, I ain't no good. Poverty. Spirit of poverty. Always looking for something that's as cheap as it can be. There's nothing wrong with being frugal. Don't get me wrong. God doesn't condemn you for being wise in your shopping and clever and true. But I'm just saying sometimes you're ruled by it. You're ruled by it. And this time, I'm going to go in and McDonald's without a coupon. I'm going to pay the full price, $2.49. I'm just saying, let God deliver you from all of these things. Don't dread What's coming, the terror by day or the arrow that he speaks of in the 91st Psalm that flies by night and all the tragedies that are waiting on the road you're traveling to overtake you. Let God protect you. Ask him, ask him, ask him, Lord, I want a good job. I want a good one. I ask you in Jesus' name, not only to make me aware of what it is, Able to do whatever it is, but I ask you to give it to me in Jesus' name. That's what you do. You ask. That's a condition, though. You've got to know his will. You can't say, well, I want to be blessed like brother so-and-so is blessed. No. It's not you and so-and-so. It's you and God. And you ask him to bless you because that's what he says he would do for you in his word. And closing. You got to have faith, don't you? All things whatsoever you ask in prayer, believing. Let me go back and say something I've already said once. Will you turn to 1 John chapter 3? When it's faith, you're convinced. Did y'all hear what I said? When it's faith, you're what? Convinced. I'm assured that it shall be even as it was told me. That's why even though I can't see it, it hasn't manifested itself yet, I can smile and say, praise the Lord. They say, what are you smiling about? Because I believe God. My daddy said, you need another car. I said, I do. Go to the bank. Your mom and I'll cover you. I said, I don't need to. I've already got one. My daddy said, where is it? I claimed a new car or a better used car. My daddy said, well, where is the car? I said, I don't know. Being Catholic, he was probably thinking, what's happening to you? You got something and you don't even know where it is? How can that be? He wouldn't understand if I did teach him. You could bring a whole room full of them in here and teach them that, and they'd never get it because God only can open eyes and ears. 
My poor daddy, you know, he wondered, you've already got it. Where is it? I said, I don't know. Oh, my poor daddy. Oh, okay. But when I drove it in the driveway a little while later, a month or two later, he said, where'd you get this? I said, it's the one the Lord gave me. He did a good job, didn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it was a brand new Ford, 1973. Brand spanking new. No miles on smell. It smell like a new one should. Mm. I didn't ask for a new one. I asked for a better used car. That's, that's where my faith was. I can't ask beyond what I'm convicted of. I didn't have that brand new stuff, but I had better used car faith, but he gave me a new one because he is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. But you've got to believe. If you don't believe... If you keep hoping and wondering about all this, it never will work. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 22 tells us in a nutshell, it kind of covers a whole gambit of faith here. Whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because. And the two things he mentions here is what comprises faith, because we are obedient. We keep his commandments, and we do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Would it please your Father to give you anything if you live like that? I'll read it again. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. That's what he wants. That's what faith does. Faith is a keeper of the word and an obedient walker. Jesus said, what things ever you desire when you pray, Mark eleven twenty four. 24, believe what? Believe that you receive them. Verse 23 said, if you tell a tree to be thrown into the sea and doubt not in your heart, but believe those things you say shall come to pass, you'll have whatever you say. If you talk about your woes and your lack of go and all of that, that's what you get. If you talk about the promises that God has because they're in your heart and you're convinced of them, that's what you get. God cannot lie. If he said it, he'll do it. Amen.